Testing. Morning, Mount Zion. How you guys doing? Yeah. Man, come on. We're all spread out today. Come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning as we give God the glory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
can have a seat this morning. And I'll bring up, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Jimmy. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Good. Just a couple announcements this morning, but before we get started, thank you so much to uh, everybody that came on Friday. It's been, it's been wild. We're seeing huge crowds. And what I was worried about, what we were kind of, is there going to be enough volunteers? We're doing more things this movie night than we've ever. We've added bounce houses. We've added hot dogs. And with everything, I feel like there's less work because there's so many more volunteers. It's really cut the stress in half. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that showed up. Even the little things matter. So whether it's, you know, saying hi to people, helping carrying down a chair, whatever it is, thank you guys for being there and helping. It's really awesome. And the movie was awesome last Friday. I love that Super Mario's brother, Brothers movie. Um, it's a good one. I want to watch it again because I always miss parts, you know. But uh, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, first up, we got uh, this month the uh, Refresh Potluck. It's uh, with Eva and Hugh this month. Uh, there is a sign-up in the back because it's potluck style. Uh, he just wanted to, you know, we want to see who's bringing what. I'm not invited. If you put me and Anna together, we barely make it. <laughs> I tried. Uh, we also got, so we've been on a break for all our uh, Wednesday nights and our adult Bible studies on Sundays. That's coming up quick, though. We're, uh, September 6th is when everything gets back in it. So uh, co coming up is uh, with Miss Jerry's, Jerry in the morning, the awe of God. That's going to be new. If you're looking to get more Bible time, more together, get in this Bible study. What's, you get here an hour early, get that much more out of it. And what I'm super excited for is what we're going to be doing on Wednesdays. This book right here. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And I honestly didn't know what it was. And I just read the first, the first little paragraph and I go, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to read that to you real quick. If I can find it. It says, the enemy wants to crush you. He wants to steal from you everything you value. He wants to kill everything in your life that's good. He wants to destroy you. If he can claim the victory over your mind, he can claim the victory over your life. But you don't have to let him get a foothold. For you have been invited to an intimate relationship with the Almighty. Your good shepherd, he has set a table before you. And the enemy has not been invited to join. So just off that, I'm in. I'm in. I, I struggle just like everybody else. I struggle with this mind. It's like it's always going and you're always fighting the devil. So I want, I want more ways on how to fight it, you know. I wanna, so I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in this study. This is going to be a great Wednesday night thing. So with that, I think it's meet and greet time. So if everybody, what do you mean? Write me out? Okay. I didn't know we had that. Okay.
you say, John, that sounds counterintuitive. The reason it sounds counterintuitive is because the fear of God has nothing to do with being afraid of God. The fear of God is when we're actually terrified of being away from God. If you look at the men and women in Scripture and in the history of the church, the ones who walk closely with Jesus are those who fear Him. I've spent the last year writing the most critical revelations that God has ever given me because I want to see you endure to the end and fulfill all that God has called you to do. When we understand the awe of God, everything changes. You know, these, the Bible studies, you know, it's so funny. I've gone to so many over the years. I'm sure many of you have too. And the important thing is, it's, it's not that, oh, this, this is the study you need to go to. Whether it matters, whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday, really the fruit of it is twofold. Number one, you get information in, data in. And the Bible says that, that his word never comes back void. Meaning that you will, he will quicken your spirit when you need it. But you've got to build that database. You've got to get that in you. It's really critical. The second thing that happens is, my goodness, just being around God's people, being around the community of God and developing those relationships, you won't get that on a Sunday morning, but you will in smaller groups. So that's the third. And then the third and last thing, honestly, you'll go to a bunch of these things, but you'll always seem to get one or two nuggets that will stay with you the rest of your life. So don't think, oh, I don't know about that study. Go, go get that data put in there and watch God move in you over the years. You'll suddenly realize, how come I'm able to do this and do that? And how come I can remember this? And God will start forming you and shaping you more in his image. I encourage you, Wednesday nights at 6.30, what did we start? 6.30? With six o'clock, I know we've changed it. Six o'clock to seven thirty is an hour and a half, and then Sunday mornings is just an hour. Can't we give God a two and a half hours of our time extra each week? I encourage you this September to commit to that and watch what He does. So let's take five minutes and meet and greet one another. But before we do, we've kind of—I'm just kind of still in this fruit of the spirit. Uh, uh, spiritual gifts uh, series that we've been in. In light of that, let's ask God to speak to us through, and through us to other people to encourage one another. One of you today may have a word for somebody here. May have, may have a, God may prompt you to lay hands on them and pray for them and change their lives. It could be today. You never know. It could be someone online today. So, Father, we just ask you, bless this fellowship time, this type of worship that we celebrate, encouraging one another and lifting each other up. So, God, as we greet one another, enable us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and what you will have us do, and then gift us with the perfect gift for the perfect moment at the perfect time. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, meet and greet each other for five whole minutes. And then I want to say good morning and welcome to those of you online. God bless you and thank you for being here. Look, at we have two weeks left, this week and next week, to finish out the spiritual gifts. I just want to remind you, you can go to our YouTube channel, just type in Mount Zion Church uh, in Pine Grove, or you can go to our website and click the link there. And on that channel is all of our sermons. We cut out the worship because of copyright stuff, so you're just getting the messages. But there's playlists of our sermon series and recent videos. Everything is right there on our YouTube 
YouTube page. And if you subscribe, it'll send you a notification. Uh, well, you want to hit the bell and subscribe, and it will notify you anytime a new sermon's ready to go. I try to get them uploaded every Monday, and uh, that's when they're up. So you'll never miss a message. Also, at our website, if you care to give and support this ministry, if you've been blessed by it and are being fed by it, Book of Malachi talks about your tithes going to the storehouse, the place where you're getting fed. So I encourage you to give to Mount Zion if you believe in this ministry. We want to use it to reach the world and change the world from Pine Grove. Just go to mtzchurch.org. The link should be right up there in the description, and uh, you'll find everything you need there. God bless you, and stay for the message. It's going to be a good one today.
Oh, thank you to seven out of ten of you for uh, getting to your seats. I appreciate it. God bless you this morning. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, just to echo what Pastor Jimmy said. These movie nights have been better than they ever have. Uh, it has just been a smoother transition. Thank you so much to all of you who helped so much. Don't stop coming. Don't stop helping. Don't stop praying. Um, the last two weeks are critical in the sense where it's the lasting impression of us. This year, I've seen a whole different crowd. Uh, we see few regulars, but mostly a new crowd, and we love that, and we just want to love on them, pray for them, bless them any way we can. It's been uh, great praying, opening, and praying for our community and those uh, that are in attendance, so just keep coming. It's going to be another great night. Lyle, Lyle, crocodile, right? I have no idea what that is. Is that with a real crocodile? Does anybody get eaten? Are there car chases with Lyle, Lyle, crocodile? No? No gratuitous violence or anything? Okay, but it'll probably be a good movie anyway. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing. No car chases. Oh, my gosh. Well... In light of that, I also want to encourage you to uh, be faithful as God is faithful in your giving. Um, you guys do a great job in our benevolence and seniors and a few other ministries. Where we suffer in the summer months is in the general fund. And that general fund is so we can pay the PG&E bill and pay you know, all the bills that have to be done and salaries and all that kind of stuff. That being said, I know that we're in a tough time. Gas prices again seem to be going up. But I can't reiterate enough, and it's always this principle's worked in my life. You, when, price, when things get unobtainable, God can still make it attainable. And when that means is essentially this. I believe that you can never outgive God. And when I feel like we're under this stress of financial burden from the world, then I'm going to give it to God and let him release that burden within the world. And the way you fight that is with generosity. The, the, the New Testament, that's mostly what they talk about in their giving. They're not talking about, oh, did you give your 10% much? They do talk a little bit about that. The majority of the time, though, is talking about a spirit of generosity. I want to, when I meet, uh, when, when I go to that judgment day and I'm in front of Jesus, I want him to say he was generous because Jesus was generous. Our Father in heaven is generous. So I encourage you to be generous. That's the best way to fight any economic woes. You don't think God's going to take care of you? He's going to go, well, God, I was generous. And then God goes, well, that's too bad. You shouldn't have been so generous. When does God ever tell you, don't be so generous? That's ridiculous. Be good stewards. That's what he calls us to. So Father, we ask you to bless this offering. Increase it so that we can increase the kingdom. God, uh, we are, you are our provision, but we also know you use God's people to obtain that task. So bless our people financially. Give them favor with any endeavor. Give all their needs and provide for all their needs. And bless them and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead, ushers. As we go into worship with an attitude of gratitude, this song we have not done in a while called Living Water. This is specifically pretty much what our message is about today. So I encourage you this morning, just ask God to move in this place. Move in you.
thank you for this time that we can come together and seek your face and hear your word Lord, we just ask for every person lord god that's here today lord god for those that are watching online lord that their hearts would be open lord to receive the seed of your word lord that it produced the fruit that you promised it would lord god the people will be encouraged and set free and will be conformed more into the image of your son jesus christ we ask this in jesus precious name everyone said amen Amen. amen, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and have a seat this morning.
I uh, had a kind of a, I had this thing. I know I have lots of issues. I got lots of things and issues. I got every, I went, I went on a missions trip to Ukraine especially, but a few missions trips. And when I came back, one of the things that, that I found myself doing is I would pour a glass of water, like I did this morning. I literally did this this morning, and I, and I looked at it, and I'm like, God, it is so great having a clean glass of water. I, I, when, you, when you go someplace where it's not available, a good, clean glass of water right out of the faucet, or how many of you grew up right out of the hose? In the front? Oh, yeah, baby, right out of the hose. And I just, I, I, I look at it, and I go, God, water is so good. And I was thinking about this, how important water is. It's so, it's important for life. We can go 40 days without food, but you go more than three days without water and your body starts shutting down. Think of the plants and, and all the things that grow because of water. Think of all the uh, fish or any kind, of, any kind of water animal, or organism, algae, all those things that are in perfect motion, all because of water. And then I, I really love when little kids get really thirsty, as Jack ever done this, you know, they go, I, I need a glass of water. I saw, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> 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 you know, do they ever get like that? I do it all the time, still. <laughs> when we get desperate for water, you know when you're thirsty, I gotta have some water. Just gotta have some water. When we get thirsty, our body tells us this. So I don't think it's a coincidence in our text this morning, which is at John chapter 7, if you could turn your Bibles to John chapter 7, that Jesus uses this analogy a lot. We hear God speak to us a lot about us being living water that flows from us. Remember when Jesus was with the, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well? And she wants to give him a cup of water out of the well. And Jesus says, oh, if you knew the water I offer, if you were to drink that, you would never thirst again. Which would be even more poignant in the desert when you hear those kind of things. Jesus, it was on the last day, the great day of the feast, it says in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39. It's an amazing verse. We just sung about living water. On this last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and whispered. Jesus stood up and just kind of mentioned. Jesus kind of just didn't toss it. You ever do a comment that just you toss out there? That's not what this says here. He cried out. You know, you know when, I, when I think of Jesus crying out, I think of when he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When I think of Jesus crying out, there's so few instances in the Bible where he loses it to an importance. When he turns over the tables at the temple when he's dying on the cross, and here, he cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. 
And now we go, hey, that's pretty cool, Jesus. I, I, let me think what that means. That means, that means when I'm going to have the love of God in me and it's going to flow out. But see, there's all kinds of ways of misinterpreting this. So instead, we get a little explanation here to make sure we get it right. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amazing verse here. First of all, if you think, I asked Jesus in my heart, I gave my life to Jesus, if you think that's it while you're here on the earth, you are sadly mistaken, and unfortunately, churches and people around you are suffering if you believe that. Jesus specifically said that he was speaking concerning the Spirit in whom those who believed in him, okay, first step, believe in him, and once you believe in him, then you would receive the Holy Spirit. And so many Christians, this is probably the biggest problem we're having in the United States. I would not say in other uh, underdeveloped areas of the world, but in the United States, the lack of recognizing what the Holy Spirit's role in their lives is debilitating this country. It is robbing our churches of a reputation of a place where signs and wonders and healings take place and miracles. It is robbing the people of this world that say, where's God? Show me. And if the believers don't step in, walk out into that faith of the battle that is going on there with the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which then manifest God in front of them, how are they to know? We have the answer. It's in each one of us. And it takes every one of us. Come on, anybody who's had kids know that you could tell your kids something over and over and over and over and over again and they don't listen. And then some stranger comes by and says the same thing you've been saying for months and all of a sudden the kid goes, guess what I learned? So we know it sometimes takes someone else. And it's not going to be a pastor. It's going to be you. It's not going to be some deacon and some preacher or some... You know what? God wants to use his church. You know what we're here up to do? Evangelists, teachers, and pastors. We're here to equip the body for ministry. Meaning it's you that are going out as royal priesthood of God with the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest God to a lost world that doesn't believe. So if you thought asking Jesus in your heart was it, I'm sorry. God has something more. Jesus said, those who believe in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's amazing. And notice he didn't say, those who believe out of his heart will get some living water. Might get a little trickle, a little dampness of living water. No, he said, rivers. Now think about this. He's saying it in a part of the world that has mostly desert. And he's talking about rivers. That's why we don't believe in baptism being just sprinkled on you. 
Because in the Bible, there were specific places where baptisms were taking place. Why were they taking place in those places? Because they could fully immerse themselves in the water. So the people reading this in the Bible times back then in the culture would have known the rivers of living water, that's a big deal. It's not a well of living water. It's not something you have to work for and drop, drop it on down the pit and live the bag up. It's rivers flowing out of you. And now we have to remember he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants. If you think about it, when Stephen was martyred and he looked up, where was Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus said he had to leave. Why? So he, his Father could send the Comforter, send the Holy Spirit. So the active agent in God's work here today is the Holy Spirit. And how the Holy Spirit gets the will of the Father done is through the rivers of living water flowing out of you and me. That's our responsibility. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of sitting on a hill. We are the hope. We have the hope of the world. God is in us and he wants to get out. He wants to flow out. And this is for all believers. There isn't some special section for flowing Holy Spirit believers. It's all believers. Everybody say all. The presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. When I think about this water and how precious it is when you're somewhere where it's not, where it's a desert or bad water or, or just it's so hard to come by, and you look at this and you just treasure it. Do we treasure the Holy Spirit flowing in and through us? that same way. So why does God want to do it? It's to bless other people. Maybe that's one of our biggest problems. Maybe that's the problem. We're so wrapped up in ourselves. We are so wrapped up in things that affect us and what's happening to us and me, me, I, 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 me, and me and I, that we get lost and we don't have the bandwidth to get out and bless somebody else. But God knows us so well. God knows us so well. You, if you're going through a difficult time, you're going through a struggle right now, the best medicine in the world is go love somebody. Go bless somebody. Ask the Holy Spirit to move in and through you. It's amazing what happens. We want to desire this. We need to desire the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in us. That's what we've been seeing in the verse that we've read for the past seven weeks. That's why I didn't put it up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I figured you all had it memorized by now. It says these gifts of the Holy Spirit are called a manifestation of the Spirit. So he calls us in that chapter to desire the best gifts. And what are the best gifts? The best gifts are the ones that are needed for that exact moment for that person at that time. And these gifts are the Holy Spirit manifesting God to them. He's making himself visible. He's giving evidence to this reality. So when people around us question us, I want to see God. I wonder how do you know God is real? Well, God is waiting to manifest himself. 
Blessed are those who see and believe. But even more blessed are those who don't see and believe. We believe, even if we don't see, amen? Amen. We believe. But there's a world out there that is looking for God. And he's not, they're not finding him. They're not finding him because we're all wrapped up in us. God has given these people in our lives to us. We are responsible for everyone we run into. It doesn't matter whether it's some homeless guy on the street or your next door neighbor or family member. Who's in your life? He's put us in his church because this way, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it releases this river of flowing, river of living water. And his presence and power is being released to other people to bless their lives, to meet their needs, to lift them up. You and I, for lack of a better word, have a problem. Most of us Christians dam up the Holy Spirit. We have to break through that dam. We've got to let these rivers flow. We've got to start blessing people. That's what we've been talking about, is how do these gifts operate? That's why we need to be... Paul said the same thing. I do not want you to be ignorant about this. It was important. You might have John 3.16 memorized, and you could put on your little rainbow clown wig and hold up your cardboard sign, but what God is looking for are people that let the rivers flow through you of the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday we talked about developing in these gifts and how you and I can position ourselves more to have these manifestations take place in our lives. And I want to quickly review just a couple of points from last Sunday. We talked about being motivated by love. See, this is why I'm saying sometimes it's so difficult for us to want to be used by God in this way because we're so wrapped up in ourselves it's hard to love other people, especially the people that bug us. The people that are annoying us. How about the people that are persecuting us? The people who are against us? Whether it's politics or the government or the school system, local city council or your neighbor. We're so inundated by so many people against us, we can lose sight and we just want to hold on to our own. But we have to step out. We have to stir up these gifts. They aren't just going to happen. You have to stir it up, Paul said. Stir it up in our hearts, Lord. Praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Talked about how important that was because if you're willing to do something as crazy as that, you will do whatever God is telling you to do. If you can speak in an unknown language out your mouth and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and move through you, then when it comes to that stranger on the street that you lay hands on and pray and believe for a miracle, that's nothing. And that's why I think it's so important. It also edifies us and encourages us and fills us up. It keeps us in tune. If you all remember those old AM radios in your car, they don't even come with them anymore. They used to have a dial on them, and you had to get rid of all that static and dial in and dial in until you got just the right there. And that's what we have to do. We have to stir up the Holy Spirit to get rid of all this pollution around us. We talked about staying tuned in. We talked about staying calm and rested. One of the other beauties of the prayer language, it brings comfort and peace and calmness so God can move through us. We're so busy. Busy, busy, busy. We are busy people. 
And it's really hard to take a, take a breath and just be calm and allow the Holy Spirit to move. Then we talked about stepping out boldly and the Holy Spirit's prompting. That's why it's so important for us to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something, you do it because you know the voice of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? They are my sheep and my sheep know my voice. And it's going to be risky. You might be completely humiliated. Oh, really? I'm so sorry. But I thought the Bible said that the old man is reckoned dead. We are alive in Christ. You cannot embarrass a dead man. Jesus was humiliated much more than we will ever, ever, ever be. What more can we do for the cause of Christ? We've got to take risks. We've got to practice. We've got to give ourselves over to this. We have to be desirous of these gifts wherever we go. doesn't matter whether you're... Hey, you know what a great place to pray and ask God to give you something to give to somebody? When you are in a drive-thru, like at Starbucks or McDonald's or something, you're in Starbucks and you're at a drive-thru and you're waiting for that, hey, you got all the time in the world, especially there's a bunch of cars in front of you. It's a great opportunity. Father, before I get to this, this window... Is there something I can do to bless this person at the window who's going to serve me? I want to show them how you can serve them. I want to serve them. I want to bless them. Give me some insight. And the whole way in that waiting, you can't wait to get there to see what God's going to give you for them. We have to desire this. We have to take those risks. It doesn't matter where you're at. Let it impact your life and so you can impact others desire it. Just imagine if all of us, just even the few of us in this room, just us, every day woke up going, God, who have you got in front of me? How can I bless them? And can you gift me with the perfect gift for them at that moment? And I'm going to look all day long, all of us, and we start blessing people and we start encouraging people. Hey, it might be a simple thing of just say, hey, how's your day going? Are you okay? Is there anything you need? You'd be surprised how few people hear that in their lives. So many people need to hear it. But you know where they need to hear it? From the body of Christ. Just imagine what our county would look like. People being touched in small ways all over this community. They'd be touched for the kingdom of God. God is waiting to do that. You know how I know that? He said, out of every believer, rivers of living water will flow. It's for all of us. So we have to desire the gifts so we can minister to people. And as we talk about the gifts today, today I want to cover the proper foundation for these gifts. Because these gifts can be used wrongly. They can be used to hurt people. Unfortunately in the church, the body of Christ over the years, we've seen people misuse and abuse them. But that doesn't mean you don't do them anymore. It doesn't mean you don't desire the gifts anymore because of a few bozos out there. It happens. And it happens with people who are not maintaining a good foundation and they end up hurting people. Not because there's something wrong with the gift. The gift is perfect. The giver of the gift is perfect. But us as people, we can deviate if we don't have a good foundation. We can work at the wrong things and it can hurt people. And then what happens, it brings a bad name to Jesus Christ and his church. 
So in view of that, I just want to give six important foundational guidelines for us to walk in these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Notice how we've jumped right to this. It seems like we jumped, but we spent six weeks before talking about what these gifts are. We've talked about how to use them. We've talked about being available to use them. We've talked about the definition of each one, the types of gifts, and how God uses our five senses in our body. He uses us and how we need to find them. And if you missed the message I've been keeping up to date on our YouTube channel, just click on Gifts of the Spirit playlist and all of the messages are there. But we need to walk in these gifts now. We are, I'm assuming you've heard enough about what the gifts are, but now we want to use them properly. So as you and I perceive the gifts, perceive the manifestation, the operations of the Holy Spirit, we want it to flow. We want it to be used powerfully. I want to see more. I want to see God use us more. <coughs> Excuse me. And as we begin to see more and more, there are some things that we cannot deviate from. These are important foundational guidelines. First one is this. Operate out of relationship with the Lord. Not based on methods and techniques. It comes out of God. Look at all of us do things a little differently. I, for instance, clean the house a little differently than Deb cleans the house. We like to call it, I straighten up and she cleans. So we all have different ways of doing things. So we can't think that, that it's, it's just going to be a certain, if I do this, 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 and this, then God will do this, 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 and this. It's not that simple. We have to have relationship with God. Because he's created uniquely and wonderfully made in his eyes. <coughs> we talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We've had these five spirit senses. The Holy Spirit gives information in these five spirit senses through what you see, feel, and so on, right? That's just describing those methods of how the Holy Spirit can work. We're just exploring some of the techniques. But if we focus only on the techniques and on the methods, then it can hurt on our relationship with Jesus. We need to focus on the relationship out of Jesus, and out of that relationship flows these rivers of living water. So always be growing in your relationship with Christ. How you do that? You got, it happens a lot of ways. For number one, read your Bible and pray. <laughs> read your Bible and pray. Every day. Like you need it, like you need water, like you need food. Do it as much as you can. You've got to build that relationship with Jesus. There are so much access to the internet, to sermons, to build your faith. There's so many programs out there, so many things that you can look at. You have no excuse. And then while walking in submission, you also need to walk in holiness. Are you walking as consecrated unto God? Is your life still your own, or have you really given it over to God for the use of his work? Otherwise, what happens if we're not focusing on our relationship with God, then what happens, we become experts in technique. And we think this is how we do it, and it weakens our relationship with Christ because we're focused more on the method and the technique than we are on the source. It may be a poor example, but it's like you can use a gun. You can know how to use a gun. But if you don't know when to use the gun or how to use the gun, 
you can end up hurting people. Listen to Jesus said in John 15, verse 4 and 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. What good, seriously, is a vine? What good is a branch if it's not connected to the, to the vine? It's no, it just dies, it withers away. It's a very vivid picture that the branch has to be connected to the vine. We have got to be connected to Jesus. We've got to stay. It says, he who abides in me and I in him, he's going to bring forth much fruit. But without me, he says, you can do nothing. You and I can say, yeah, yeah, I can do a lot of things without Jesus. I can. I can do a lot of things without Jesus. But we all know that what we do without Jesus essentially amounts to nothing in the eyes of God. We have to stay connected to Jesus. So important. Second guideline I present to us as you grow in the gifts of the Spirit. Be established in your identity in God. This is so important. Be established in your identity in God. You do not base your identity on the gifts or your function. Don't base your identity on operating through your, the gifts operating through your life. Your identity is that you're a child of God in Jesus and nothing can change that. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Your identity is in Jesus. Be who you already are in Christ. Nothing can change that. The gifts are just God working through you to bless other people. The function he gives you in the church and the kingdom of God is just working through you to release his purpose, but your identity is in him. It's like I've always said, look at you are more than the choices that you make. You are who Jesus says you are. You don't tell the creator of something what the thing is he created. You don't go to the creator who, who made the bulletin, right? You go to the person who made the bulletin and you go, hey, hey, let me tell you what this is. This is not a bulletin. This is a flyer. No, I made it. It's a bulletin. I don't care that you made it. I'm going to say it's a flyer. Well, just because you say it's a flyer doesn't make it a flyer. I created it. It's a bulletin. Well, this is what we do all the time with Jesus. Jesus says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of God, and you want to argue with the Creator on who you are. No, I'm, I'm no good. I'm a mess. I'm this. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too short. I'm too tall. And God's going, what are you talking about? I made you perfectly. Shut up. So how do we get away from this? How do we get away? If you feel that you are loved by God, <laughs> Here's how, you, this is how you get it. You feel like you're loved for God just because you prophesize for someone. You know, you walk away and go, yeah, God used me. He really loves me. God used me to prophesy. I prophesied a person there. Bing, 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 bing. Got it right on the nose. And you walk away thinking that's, that God loves you because you prophesized. The prophecy, it, it's not for you. It's to bless the other person. So you are loved by God whether you prophesy or not. But for some of us, we base being loved on God on whether there was an expression of the gift or not. It's a sign of misplaced identity. Today, God working powerfully through me and the people got healed, and I'm really loved by God. That's the expression of the gift. It's not you. God still loved you while you were yet a sinner. 
You thank God. It's a wonderful opportunity to be used by God. And it's wonderful to bless other people with these gifts. But you say to God, no matter what all that stuff is, God, I know you love me, whether or not the gifts flow through me or not. My identity is not based in that. We won't need to tell everybody else <laughs> what God did to, through us. That's, that's another quick way to start getting away from Jesus. Listen up, I got to tell you something. I was over there the other day and I was praying for this person. Boom, God healed them right away. And then the other day I went to the bank and like a person got ready to go. I got to tell you all the things that God has done through me because God loves me so much. He must love me so much more than you because he uses me so much more. That's what we get stuck in. If others have to hear about how God used you in order to make you feel good, you've got a problem. Your identity must be settled in God. I don't care if people hear about me. It doesn't matter. In fact, I, that's one of my reasons a few weeks ago when I talked about Derek de Guzman getting healed in his back during a worship set in church. My favorite part of him being healed was that all I did was say, does someone need to be healed? Does someone need prayer? I don't even think I said healed. I think I just said prayer. And he raised his hand. And then people around him prayed. All I said, does someone need prayer? I did nothing. The reason that was so powerful in our church is because I believe God didn't say, okay, Eric, I want you to go and lay hands on Derek, and I want you to proclaim healing in Jesus' name. Then it would be about me. Instead, it was about the people of God and God using the people of God, and that's why I believe the church was so blessed. The less that people hear about you and more about God, the better. I read an article from the very first president of Facebook. His name is Sean Parker. Sean Parker. He said that when they were, him and Mark Zuckerberg were creating Facebook and promoting Facebook, he said his quote was, we didn't know what we were doing. Today, looking back, it's really ruined people. He said this, and I'm quoting him, because every time someone likes you, it's like you get a shot of dopamine. It's like if the likes go down, you feel bad. So people are basing their moods on how many likes they have on Facebook, and that's dangerous to society. It's a guy who created it. Sometimes in the church, we get like that too. So we cannot base our identity on the manifestations of God. Your identity is who you are in Jesus. You need to understand the difference between value and function. You are valued by God regardless of the function. You are valuable to God and your function is the opportunity to serve. Your value is on the cross and Jesus paid for that with his life. Let me move on. Number three, we have to demonstrate Christ-like character. We pursue the gifts. We pursue miracles. And while we want to meet the needs of the people through healings and miracles, which is all good, all that helps people experience and encounter Jesus, all of that's good. But don't forget that character is also important. One preacher one time put it this way, sell gifts with fruit. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit need to come with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, goodness, temperance, and faith. And how these things are all happening together is walking in love. See, your character gives you credibility. 
If your character is subject, then the manifestation of the Spirit will also become subject. It's so sad. Imagine, just because you didn't care about your character, someone is not believing that God is real. Because you had a character flaw that you were unwilling to resolve. If people suspect your character, they're going to wonder if the word of wisdom or knowledge to them is even accurate. I mean, imagine if your character's in question and you have something powerful to tell them and they just go, ah, you know what? They just looked that up on Facebook. They're going to question the whole thing because of your character. But if your character is something that they trust, then they receive the expression of the Spirit of God through your life, they'll be able to receive it, to be able to be edified through it. I can't tell you, one of the reasons I... I I loved doing, uh, when, when I even became a senior pastor, one of my favorite things that Pastor Ed and I used to do together was our uh, kids' summer camp where we had 8 to 12-year-olds, and we had about 450 of them a year. And when I came up here, I still was doing that children's camp. The reason I loved it so much is we had several senior pastors doing children's ministry. And I think it was important because it, it was validating the kids that they were important to the church. Because their senior pastor was at their summer camp. Oh yeah, I used that all I could, baby. If I could use that position to get to a kid, absolutely. You'd be surprised, if you're a person of good character, how important your words are to somebody. You can really destroy somebody, but you can also bring such life and blessing to them. That's why you're, if you, I, am, I am in awe of the, of, and I'll talk later about it in my message a little bit, but I'm in awe of the men that I have in accountability in my life. The kind of character that these men have. I am blessed beyond measure. Because I need that. Character is so important. We need to always be guarding our heart and our motives. They need to always be there to glorify Jesus. Every expression of the Spirit is simply to glorify Jesus. It's to glorify Him and Him alone. Another important guideline is don't play on people's emotions. Sometimes you find preachers do this all the time. You find preachers play on their emotions. They stare at you. They stare at you as they're seeing into your life. And you think, oh God, what is God revealing to that guy? And is he going to say it out loud? It's just, the pastor's just playing on your emotions with, with his stage presence. That's all he's doing. Don't make false claims or exaggerations. Keep it simple. Be like Jesus. How did Jesus minister? He would do it in love and in compassion and humility. It's so important. The fourth foundation as we perceive the power of God with supernatural manifestations is to maintain accurate doctrine. This is why it's so important to be able to not just read your Bible, but be teachable and be able to be corrected because we don't always get it right. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, he said, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Watch over your life and watch what you teach. He said, continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself 
and those who hear. That's amazing. <laughs> Timothy, be careful. Be careful about your own life. And isn't it amazing? Can you, can you really think, can we think that way? I need to be careful about my own life because there may be some perfect stranger that I've never met before that I'm going to lead to Jesus. What a challenge every single day to watch your character. So you've got to have this deep-rooted theology in your life. And the only way I know to do that, study the Bible. Don't just read a verse and call it a day. Talk to, talk to people who know a little bit about some. Look up stuff that's biblically based on the internet that actually knows what they're talking about. Don't go by Wikipedia or something like that. We have to have sound doctrine. Hebrews 13.9 says it this way. Uh, I think you preached on this. Don't be carried away with various and strange doctrines, but I think it was called strange fire, right? For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods in which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The writer of Hebrews is telling that these strange and various doctrines are like eating bad food. You're going to get an upset stomach, or worse, it's going to harm you. It's not doing you any good. Here's the problem. God starts using somebody, and they're being used powerfully, and they're seeing healings happen, and they're able to give words of prophecy, accurate words of knowledge, and at some point, for some reason, they begin to think they're answerable to nobody. They can begin to think they're above the Bible, that they're not subject to the Word of God. And when that happens, nobody can question them. Nobody can tell them what they're doing is wrong or dangerous. They say, no, I got my information straight from the Lord. Nobody can change that. If God is using you powerfully, wonderful. But you have to stay submitted to his word. The word of God is the final authority in your life, not you. Boy, is that a problem in the church today. Not the, not the gifts of prophecy and stuff, no, but it's well, the Bible's open to interpretation. Yeah, the Bible's open to interpretation, but you interpret the Bible with the Bible. Let me tell you something. I was just talking to somebody about this. The amazing thing about the Bible, nobody's been ever able to prove it wrong. Nobody. Think how long that book's been around, how people have torn it apart and tried to figure every single loophole they could find. Believe me, I've looked for loopholes, okay? <laughs> We're looking for a way out. But every time they have some archaeological discovery or some historical thing comes around, it always proves it right. It never proves it wrong. They've never come out with an archaeological discovery. They go, see this whole thing about Moses? It was fake. Instead, it's always something proven. If God is using you powerfully, you have to make sure the Bible is the authority in your life. You still need to submit to the Word of God. You cannot run after strange doctrines. Unfortunately for the history of the church, we've seen it happen over and over again. And I don't think it's anything new. I think it's been going on for a long time. And unfortunately, we have way too many examples in history of the church where these things have happened. I just want to mention a couple of names, not because I want to discredit them or call them out, but I just want to tell you, learn from past mistakes so we don't repeat them. Because these guys started out wonderfully. And God used him mightily, and I don't want to take away from that. But there was a guy named John Alexander Duvey. 
or Dovey. He was one of the forerunners of the healing ministry. God used this guy in an amazing way. He was healing people of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And the minute his ministry grew huge and powerful, he eventually established an entire city. Steve's talking about planting a church. This guy planted a city, an entire city. It was called Zion City of Illinois. He established within that city a science city where he, his intent was to have this little city where no one would ever be sick. And of course, in a city, there's lots of real estate working there. Various townships, a lot of money moving around. In all of this, this guy suddenly proclaimed that he was Elijah the prophet. What was happening was this. He crossed over from being a man of God to just being delusional. He was thinking himself of being something he was not. But as he did that, everything started collapsing. The whole city went bankrupt. It had to be a whole pyramid scheme. It was painful. It was shameful. God may have used him, but something shifted and it was all gone. There was a guy named William Burnham. He started to be a great prophet of God. God raised him up as a mighty prophet in his healing revivals. He would call people out by name, give them their address and where they came from and how they traveled and their conditions. Now remember, there was no computers, there was no Facebook, there was no chance of finding out information. It had to be God, and God was using him in a powerful way. But he came into a place where he decided he was answerable to nobody. And when he started teaching one of his first moves away from the sound doctrine, he was moving away from Trinitarianism. In other words, he started not believing that God was the God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, Jesus Christ. He started getting into this Jesus-only single, that God, that God the Father, they were shifting away from all that. And he began to talk about strange things, about end times and prophecies that was a, just a big mess. And unfortunately, he died prematurely, but the impact still goes on today. One of the great, uh, in fact, the, the first guy we talked about that's still feeling repercussions of Dovey today because one of his forerunners who followed him was Jim Jones, who wanted to build a city in Guyana, who ended up having all these hundreds of people committing suicide because he was answerable to nobody. We all need to be answerable to somebody. We all need to be careful as God uses us. It's a privilege, but it's a huge responsibility. What does it say that, that great theologian, um, the, the uncle in Spider-Man, who said, with great power comes great responsibility. And we have the power of God. I like what David said in Psalm 141, verse 5. He said it this way, Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent as oil. Let my head not refuse it. It's excellent as oil. He's talking about healing. When someone's correcting you, they're trying to heal you of a broken doctrine. We have to position ourselves in a way that people are able to speak to us. Righteous people, godly people, able to correct us. 
It's why it's so important, like I said, I have these men of God in my life. Because sometimes pastors, people are afraid to come and correct pastors. In fact, one of the things that I do with Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna, because even they can get a little nervous about talking to the board because they don't want to get me in trouble. Now, I don't think this has ever happened, but, <laughs> but I want them to feel like they have some place to go. So one of my best friends is our presbyter. He's a senior pastor at Christian Heights in, in Sonora. His name is Craig Andrews. And he's, one of, he's an amazing, respected man of God. He's been at the same church for like 30 years. He's been doing ministry almost 40 years. He's an amazing man of God. And what I did is I, I gave them permission. I gave his phone number to them. So in case they ever feel uncomfortable coming to me, and I hope they never do, or in case they feel uncomfortable about coming to our board, and I hope they never do. But they can go to a friend of mine and say, hey, Pastor Eric's going a little wonky. He said something in the membership meeting about chicken bloodletting ceremonies or something like that. So that way someone I respect, I look up to, that holds me accountable, can come to me and say, hey, Eric, I was talking to your associates, and man, you really got to stop killing the chickens on Sundays. I want, those, I want correction in my life. I want it. Because, and I'll, t- I'll tell you where it's at. We'll get back to that in a second. I'll show you why I want it, okay? We have to receive. But just two more cl- points and let me close. Number five is develop self-restraint. Oh, gosh. One of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five is we have to have self-control. This is the ability to keep our own impulses and submit it to the Holy Spirit. It's why love is so important. I mean, what if, you know, you just look at Coulter and you know he's a rebel. <laughs> right? And, and what if God gives me this word of knowledge to him and it's not so good, but it's to help correct him? Well, it's easy to get in someone's face and just go, listen, God told me you are doing this, 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 and this, and you need to just stop it. Well, maybe you need a little self-control and slow down a little bit there. Cool your heels and cool your jets. And think about, how can I say this in love to culture so he receives it? But in order to do that, I have to have self-control. I have to have restraint. I have to desire the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but I have to get past my fleshly desires. And we have to remember the eagerness can sometimes get us. Sometimes our zeal gets the better of us. And that's when we have to have that self-restraint. We may have a word of knowledge. It may be good. It may be bad. or anything in between. But you've got to pick the right time and the right way to say it so they receive it. So you submit to the Holy Spirit. You cut off what's fleshy. You get rid of that impulse. And you have to be genuine from the Holy Spirit. A simple example like this. You see a guy walking down the street with torn jeans. He looks like he hasn't showered in a week. He's scruffy. Barely, his shoes are barely holding on together. And all of a sudden you ask God to give you a prophecy for him. Give me a word of knowledge. I want to, I want, I want to be able to, to help this guy. And so you, you, do you think the prophecy is going to pass judgment on him? No. What are you going to do? Thus saith the Lord, go and take a bath. I don't think it's going to go that way, although we may want him to. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to love people's stink, amen? You've got to love them. I mean, Jesus touched a leper. We can touch a, a stinky person, okay? 
It might be a natural impulse, but the Holy Spirit might be saying, God has an incredible plan for your life. And he wants to work in you and help you and change you from the inside out. Well, if you do that, and you, you might receive it. Instead of worrying about the stink, the smell, and the clothes. So we have to get that little self-restraint. We have to hold back our impulses. And the last one is to grow in your local church community. This is where we have failed in so many ways in the Church of America. The importance of our church community. It's so important for us to be around people that will encourage us. It's why Debbie and I began going to church. We were not looking for God. We were coming out of the 80s. We were coming out of our young 20s. And we were tired of all the partying and we wanted to raise our kids right. But we were having a hard time finding people with a common goal to just live in a community with people that are going to help you raise your kids in a normal, biblical way. We weren't even thinking biblical. We were just looking for normal. It was a little crazy out there. So we found a community of people that were like-minded with kids. And we still have those relationships for over 30 years ago. That was the community we needed. I need people to help nurture me and my gifts and you and your gifts. This is why small groups are so important. It's not going to always take place on a Sunday morning. Being in church where you hear the Word of God, that you're taught to train and grow is so important. To be committed to the church as well. We're committed to you, but you've got to be committed as well. And if you're in a committed relationship with someone, I pray you're just not seeing them once a month. I pray you're spending time with them and talking to them and engaging with them and blessing them and being in their presence. The body of Christ is a body. It's a family. It's an army. A body has many parts. An army has many soldiers. A family has many members. That's what we are. We must be that community. We need to be here to encourage and develop each other. I find it so interesting in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8. It says this, the new wine is found in a cluster. A cluster. A cluster of grapes. God is saying, this is the way I deal with people. If you want wine or grape juice, you don't just get one grape. All right, I'm going to make a big old tub of wine. And you have one grape. You need a cluster. You need to have a cluster to produce the new wine. We also need to be in that cluster. You can't be off a... You know, it's like those when you light briquettes in your barbecue and you stack them all up and you put them in a little pyramid and then you take all the lighter fluid and you right 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 and then then you go push and your eyebrows go whoosh and right and you just get that big fire going there always seems to be one briquette that falls away this big old pile gets lit and they light each other and they warm each other and they build this fire up and you know what that other dude's doing nothing he's cold he's not being used for anything and he sits on the sidelines That's what it's like when we're not in our cluster, when we're not in our community. God is saying that we need to be rooted and planted and committed to the local church. Another important point about being established in the local church community is this. Hebrews says it this way. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. 
For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do it with joy, not with grief, for, the, for that would be unprofitable for you. Remember when I told you I need accountability. I need guys in my life to correct me. Why? Because as a senior pastor particularly, but any pastor, it says this, I'm to watch out over your souls as those who have to give an account. God's going to say, what'd you do with all those people I put in front of you? I made you a minister of God. You're a minister of, of my will. What did you do to them? What did you say to them? How did you treat them? Did you love them? Did you take advantage of them? I'm going to have to give an account for every single one of you. And that scares me to death. I have the peace of God about it. You know why? Because I have people in my life that are willing to correct me other than my wife. My wife does a great job at it. But sometimes I won't receive it when it comes to ministry the way I should. And I apologize, but it's just, you know what happens. You know when I'm getting it and when I don't. And then, <laughs> I get it a couple days later, she says. Sometimes it's because I've talked to Pastor Craig and then I come back and you go, really? I just told you that. But I have to give an account. But the other part of this is really interesting. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, must give them account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. So in other words, if I come to you and want to correct you, it shouldn't be, oh gosh, i got to go talk to Lanani. I'm talking to her, man. I don't know. I don't know. Last time I just suggested something, she just chewed me out. So I'm going to go over, walk on tiptoes, and give her a little correction, just a little. You know, it shouldn't be like that. And then when I tell you, you can't tell me what to do. You're not Jesus. You're not God. No, instead, if she realizes I love her and that whatever I tell her, I have to be accountable to God, then she should be joyful in the fact that I love her enough to correct her. And then we should be joyful together because maybe she received it and boom, we're good. The joy of that, working together. I love it when I can get a correction from whether it's my wife or somebody else and it's out of love. And you go, yeah, I like that. Oh man, I, must, I almost missed that. You know one of the biggest ways, it wasn't even a religious thing. It wasn't even a religious thing. It was from Mike Dolio. You'll remember this. Alicia, my oldest at the time, was about eight years old, seven years old, when she did gymnastics. When did she do that? It was just a quick window. Seven or se She was six? Six or seven years old. And she wanted to be a gymnast. Like every girl wants to do ballet and all that other stuff, right? And cheerleaders and all that kind of thing. So she wanted to do ballet. I mean, uh, gymnastics. So we, we brought her to the gym, and we signed her up for this STARS program. I still remember what it was called. And it was something like six weeks, if I remember, something like that. might have been longer. But we told her, if we're going to do this, you're going to start it. If you're going to start this, you're going to finish it. And she said, I will, Dad, I will. And so, so when we got to the end of it, we were being upsold by the gym that she's really talented and if you pay this much, then she can do the next program that's even bigger. And she's, you know, and you go, wow, she's really talented, right? Well, Alicia said she didn't want to do it. 
And that's when we drilled into her. Was it because you didn't like the coach? Is it because you didn't feel like you were doing it very well? Is it because of the hours you wanted to do something else? Why do you want to quit? What's going on? Why, 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 why? My buddy Mike Dolly was sat next to me when I was at the dental lab. He was in the next cubicle. He goes, well, did you congratulate her for completing the six weeks? Oh, I'm, I still, oh God, I still get chills. I've never been so corrected in my life. And I got on the phone right away with Debbie. Debbie, 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 we almost missed it. We have to celebrate that she finished it. And Debbie's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she was like, we are terrible human beings. We are, and so we, we did a whole, we took her out to dinner and we had a whole celebration. Thank God for the correction. That's where it can lead. If you allow people to do it in your life. We honor those whom God has set over us because we do it with love and grace. It's not a compulsion. It's not out of fear. It's not an intimidation. We honor people from God. So while pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, wanting to use us, we can stay in the Word, stay focused, and it will keep you from hurting or harming anyone. Stay in the Word. Stay focused. Amen? Now, oh, you want to do that up there? I can do it from here. I can do it from here. Um, I just want, next Sunday will be the last message in this series that's lasted 150 weeks, okay? And I want to talk a little bit more about flowing in the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to cover some simple ways for us to learn how to minister. But right now, if we could all stand, I just want to take a couple of minutes. I know I've kept you here a long time. These messages have been long. I apologize, but I, I, I cannot tell you. There's, there's no secret pattern, method, technique, or code to church and having a lot of people in church. There is none of that. This is all about us changing the world from Pine Grove. This is all about seeing the church in Amador County, people going, believers in Jesus Christ, love us. It's, a, it's about us being able as Christians to walk in our everyday life, everyday life being used by God with miraculous signs and wonders. That's what we're here for. Look at folks, we are not in the natural business. I could give you a whole bunch of self-help techniques and how to pat people on the back. Big deal. We are in the last days, folks. We are running out of time. And there are people dying and going to hell all around us. And the plan A from God is you and me. And there is no plan B. Don't you want to be used by God? My goodness, when you get to heaven one day, you don't want to go... Well, I went to church a couple times a month. And it's not about what you earn, but it's about what you could have done. Oh, I could have seen that person healed. I could have encouraged that one. I could have blessed that person. Let's just take some time to pray. 
Father, I just thank you for everyone in this church who's willing to be used by you. Willing to be bold. Willing to take a risk. Willing to risk being embarrassed or wrong. But we love people so much with your love that we're willing to risk it all for that. God, I pray that you will help us to knock down that dam that's been blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. I pray against the enemy who comes in to try to destroy and to kill and to lie and steal and to discourage and to say that your identity isn't strong enough, that you're not good enough or religious enough to be used by God. Who do you think you are? We pray against that in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells me, yeah, this flesh is just filthy rags, but I am, I am fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of my Savior. And I'm here still on this earth, in this humanity here that I'm stuck in. I'm here to bless others, to proclaim the gospel, to live for you, Jesus, and to be used by you. This is such a short time, Father. It's such a short time we have on this planet. It's just a short time to be used in this way. Before we enter into eternity, I'm taking everyone I can with me. So, Father, gift this church. Gift those listening to my voice. And as we speak out in these times, for people, whether they're online or in this building, there are those that need a healing. And I don't mean just in their bodies. There are those that have had, their souls have been deteriorated. Their spirits have been knocked down. They've been filled with lies from the enemy and misconceptions. They've been hurt by people in, in religious standing. They've been hurt by the world and they're just not willing to let go. Father, I pray against that in the name of Jesus and we reckon the old man dead. We walk in life and in newness. We walk in that new life filled with your Holy Spirit. Let it flow out of us today, God. I pray for someone here today that's just been so discouraged. They were even thinking this is the last time I come to church. I don't know who you are. I'm not, I wasn't spying or eavesdropping. And I don't know, maybe it's someone online, but I know there's someone who said this is the last time. I've tried that Christianity thing. I tried the God thing and it didn't work for me. That's the enemy speaking. I pray against that in Jesus' name. And I encourage you to persevere, to stay focused on Jesus. Don't give up on him. He's never going to give up on you. There are those here today that have been dealing with a continual illness, Lord. Something that just won't go away. I think of Eva and what she's dealt with for so many years. And I just, I, we, we've just, I know many of us, including her, have just accepted it. So we banish that away from our hearts right now. And God, instead, we pray and hope that you will heal her completely in the name of Jesus. That she will receive a miraculous healing. God, I know there's others here today that are, don't know where their next meal's coming from, how they're going to pay their rent, how they're going to put gas in the tank. 
But God, you are our provision. Maybe they put their last dollar in that offering today. God, bless them indeed. God, show up in ways that we never even imagined. There are some here today that God, you've spoken to, and they've been afraid to step out. I pray against that in the name of Jesus. And instead, I release the Holy Spirit to be used through them, in them. Give them courage and boldness to take that risk. You've been questioning it for a long time. Is this you, God? And I'm telling you right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, it's God. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Stop using your mind in the sense of defeating yourself and the limitations of humanity, the limitations of being immortal, the limitations of being human. Instead, look at an infinite God who surpasses all natural laws and anything in this world, the one who holds it all in his hand, the one who owns it all. Look to the Savior who loves you even while yet you were a sinner. Look to Jesus who did not leave us alone, but left us with the Holy Spirit to do continue his ministry. Bless those that are willing to step out, God. Bring them people that need to hear from you, God. Bring them to him today. And bless them. And bless us as we walk out of here today in love. In Jesus' name, the church said. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I love you guys online. Have a great day. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Stay in the word. Stay focused.